This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. Today, you are listening to episode 302, and I'm bringing you a panel I hosted for the Donna Foundation with Steph Bruce, Alicia Montano, and Sarah Vaughn. All three of these ladies have been on this podcast in the past, and Today, we are talking about motherhood and running throughout this conversation. The theme of the conversation was Fearless Mother Runners, and this was aired for the Donna Marathon Weekend Virtual Expo, sponsored by Amgen. And I listened back to it and decided I really wanted to put this out on my feed here on All Have Another because... I just thought there were so many valuable things that all three of these women had to say in the conversation. So I really hope you all enjoy it. It's definitely mother focused and it was a great honor to have this conversation with these ladies. Um, And also I'm just so grateful that they gave their time for this panel for the Donna Foundation. Now we just celebrated the Donna Marathon weekend. I did the half along with a bunch of other people. We had someone actually here locally do the marathon. And so she ran 20 laps around my neighborhood loop, which was super fun to cheer her on. We had some people doing the 5K. It was a great weekend to celebrate all that the Donna Foundation does. And if you missed out, no fear, they have a Mother's Day Your Way weekend. Mother's Day weekend, May 8th through the 9th. This is new to the Donna Signature event lineup in 2021, and it's so cool. The Mother's Day Your Way invites athletes to finish breast cancer in your own favorite way. So you can swim, you can bike, run, surf, do yoga, Pilates, roller skate, juggle. Any form of exercise that you love most qualifies. You'll receive a finisher's medal, a shirt, a goodie bag, and you'll have a virtual race platform centralized on the Active Experience app as well. This is a great way to support the Donna Foundation getting involved in their races. So go to breastcancermarathon.com to check it out, get registered. You can use the code Lindsay5 to save $5 off your registration. All right, and uh, the intro to this conversation with Alicia, Sarah, and Steph, there's just a little information from Donna Deegan, the founder of the Donna Foundation, to kick it off. So I really hope you enjoy the conversation. Thank you to the Donna Foundation for this partnership. Thank you to everybody who has supported the Donna Foundation through fundraising efforts, running the races, and just simply spreading the word. All right, enjoy my conversation with Steph Bruce, Alicia Montano, and Sarah Vaughn. I started the Donna Foundation in 2003 because I saw a need that wasn't being filled. I was anchoring the news, blogging about my own breast cancer experience, when I began hearing from people who were making impossible choices between their personal health and feeding their families. People who were too stressed about their daunting bills to focus on their recovery. 
Nearly 20 years later, we have made significant strides, but the need is still great. The continued mission of the Donna Foundation is to provide financial assistance and support to those living with breast cancer and to fund groundbreaking breast cancer research. Our vision is to transform the experience of those living with this disease from one of fear and frustration to one of love and support. We deliver on this vision each day through our signature programs, including the Donna Care Line, serving patients' financial critical needs today, funding groundbreaking research at the Mayo Clinic for a hopeful tomorrow, and through survivorship programming and events that empower survivors and their families, including the National Marathon to Finish Breast Cancer. This is possible because of you. We're in this together. Together we can and together we will finish breast cancer. All right. Well, welcome everybody. I'm so honored to be here today with three women that I really look up to. Um, I've been working with the Donna Foundation for four years now, and uh, it's super meaningful to me. About four years ago, I started working with them and they didn't even realize my connection to breast cancer. Uh, in 2013, I actually had a preventative double mastectomy uh, because I found out I had the BRCA2 gene mutation. So needless to say, the partnership has kind of evolved over the years. And every year I come down to Jacksonville for the race, I feel so connected and I get to see the work that they're doing and the people that the Donna Foundation helps. And it's just amazing. So uh, when we were thinking about a panel for this virtual event, since the race is virtual this year, uh, I'm the mom of four myself, and we thought, why don't we have some other mother runners on uh, for a panel? So that being said, we have some really amazing women who have done awesome work in the sport of running to chat today, who also happen to be mothers. So um, it's also on my heart right now to just say, if you're listening to this, I just want to say that what you are doing in your life right now is enough. And even though all of these women are doing so many incredible things, I want that to give you the um, encouragement to just lean into what you're doing and um, embrace that and believe in what you're doing with, with your whole heart. Just felt like I wanted to say that to, to the listeners. So um, let's go ahead and induce the, introduce the panel. We have Steph Bruce, who runs with Hoka Anayane and AZ Elite. She is the mother of two and the co-founder of Picky Bars. And we also have Alicia Montano, who's an Olympian and a two-time world champion, mother of three. Um, she is the co-founder of And Mother and the author of Feel Good Fitness. We have Sarah Vaughn, who is a full-time realtor. She is the mother of four and she ran on Team USA one year postpartum after her third baby. Sarah's been doing this for a long time, so we have lots of questions for you, Sarah. She's she her kids age uh, range in age from one to fourteen, so um, Sarah has experienced a lot. All right, welcome, ladies. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. We are pumped to be here. Well, last night when I was thinking about how to start the conversation, I was thinking of all the ways we could start this and. It just so happened that Sarah posted something that spoke to me on Instagram. And I thought, let's start there because I think a lot of people can relate to what she said. So I'm going to read your post, Sarah, and then we can talk about it. 
Sarah says, I know I've mentioned a few times about getting back to the old me, but as any mom knows, once you have a baby, you're forever changed body and spirit. This is true, whether it's your first or your fourth. The truth is, I don't know if I'll ever run as fast as I once did. I don't know how upcoming races will go, but I do know I wouldn't change him for the world. And I'll keep working hard to be as fast as I can as the new me, a mom of four. I think that's such a good way to put it. You know, you're forever changed when you become a parent. So the question is like, how have your goals and your perspective on success and running changed once you became a mother? Yeah, well, I think that um, especially after the first one, just being really open-minded about what that was going to look like. Um, 14 years ago, there weren't a ton of amazing examples of, of what that looks like, but I was really lucky to know a couple. Um, and so I just, I kept options open in my mind. Like I stayed optimistic, but um, I'm by heart and by nature a, a realist. So I thought, you know, if I never get back into shape, if I never, and this is before I'd ever even run at an Olympic trials or a U.S. championship or anything. So I was okay with whatever was going to happen postpartum, but I kept space to like keep my dreams alive. So I always tried to balance those two things. And that's been true postpartum every single time. Like I'm okay if I never you know, PR again, but at the same time, I'm not going to write it off. Like it's not a possibility anymore. I'm going to keep working hard as if that's an option still and see what happens. I love that. Alicia, you want to go? Oh, me. Oh my gosh. Hmm. Uh, after Sarah. Okay. Well, I have a lot to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I also read Sarah's um, Instagram. I guess I'm kind of talking about Sarah. Sarah has been one of those athletes that have inspired me for many, many years. Um, I remember before I even had my daughter um, that, you know, she would come and she would pace us and she'd have her youngest, I think it was Kiki, um, you know, just always there. And I thought that was so awesome. Um, it was such a great example of just like a fierce, fast, strong mom um, that was doing an amazing job with uh, her passion and also being an amazing mom. And so whether you know it or not, Sarah, just because uh, you hadn't, you know, um, been on an Olympic team, you have been a great example to a lot of us. I know many of us had talked about how great it is to see you out there. And then, you know, there's trickles of other moms that I could see as examples. So for me, uh, it's interesting to hear Sarah say, you know, before she knew that that was like actually possible, because seeing someone like her made me know it was possible to have uh, my family and to be able to get back into racing and running and having a good time doing it. Um, and the background, the back end of, you know, what Sarah's talking about is one of those things that we don't get to speak enough about because it feels like you kind of have to just show how much you can just like be there and like, look at me, I'm fast and I'm strong. And, you know, motherhood is kind of something that I think I can talk about, but we don't talk enough about all of the nuances of it. And I'm just, I just have to say to you, Sarah, really, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for you being in this space for as long as you have, um, whether you know it or not, you've influenced a lot. I know for a fact, more women that you probably don't even know you've influenced to know, like, you know, we can have it all if we um, wanted to, we can keep going and um, it can just look different. So that's been a huge, uh, a huge Kickstarter for me. And um, what I've been able to do is, 
in terms of thinking about my um, motherhood and, and running and getting back into my own passions is um, similar to Sarah's, unfortunately, you know, I, fortunately, I will say fortunately, I was, uh, an, you know, an athlete that was paid to run. But unfortunately, at the time, um, that was something that was frowned upon. Like, you know, we, if you are not going to be performing for nine months out of the year, how do we justify paying you? And so um, I just wanted to be able to bring more visibility to the, that aspect of, of uh, career woman and um, in motherhood. I can't believe Alicia did that to Sarah because I was going to do that to Alicia. <laughs> so, so it's going to be this vicious cycle of just building each other up. Um, but I mean, I, I think speaking to both of them, that is so, I think that's what's great about being a mother, being a business owner, being a professional athlete, entrepreneur. We're starting to see that women are just looking to other women to be like, how are you doing this? How are you dealing with it? And like Sarah said, you know, 10, 15 years ago, there were not a lot of women um, taking a break in the middle of their careers to starting a family. So it was kind of this choice. I just go the rest of my career and then wait till I'm done and start a family? Or do I have <clears throat> the audacity to take a break in the middle? Um, and for me personally, I decided to do that. I decided, well, maybe I'll just wait for an injury uh, and start a family. And funny enough, uh, when I made that uh, choice. I got injured about a month later. And then of course, like every runner, you know, when I made the decision to start a family, I was like, well, why aren't I pregnant yesterday? You know, because we, we just want to see those results and those goals come true. Um, and I was very fortunate to get pregnant with my first son, Riley, right away. Um, and then like most professional athletes, I was kind of planning my uh, family goals around Olympic cycles. And so for me, it was between 2012 and 2016. And I thought, okay, this is great. Um, I'm going to have my baby in 2014. And then I'll have about two years to get back for the 2016 Olympic trials. And I played that out in my head. I had a vision board. It was so wonderful. And then um, six months postpartum, I got a little surprise. And um, I found out I was pregnant with my second son. And I will be very honest, it was was, um, it's very hard for me to talk about it th to this day because I was, um, I don't know the right word. I, I don't, ashamed is not the right word, but I did not want to have a baby. I did not want to be pregnant um, at that moment. And to look at my son now, you know, if, um, and imagine a world without him, I, I cannot. And it almost makes me uh, dislike myself very much for having those initial thoughts of not wanting that baby. But I really didn't know if I was physically prepared or emotionally prepared. You know, I was still breastfeeding and here I was about to do it all over again. Um, but then I was reminded by a good friend, Alicia, she's like, wow, you just knocked it out and then all of a sudden she's right like here i am a few years later and i feel like i'm in the peak of my career and i have two children um and i don't have to choose anymore to be like do i have to wait till my career is over i i got those two babies and now i can ride out the rest of my career um but i still battle each day with wanting to get pregnant and have a little baby tomorrow but then also try to make the olympic team so um it is this constant battle i, I really feel like that's what motherhood is and that's what you know trying to find out what your identity as a woman is um and bringing it back to alicia 
that's what I loved about the foundation that she started and mother. You do not have to choose between being a mother and a champion. You can do both. Um, and that's what Sarah has done. That's what Alicia has done. And that's what I'm currently trying to do. Wow. Wow. So good. I want to talk about and mother for sure. I have that in my notes. Um, one of the things I also was going to talk about was, you know, you do have to see someone else doing it to, to think I can do that too. Right. And that's why it's so important. And you guys have all paved the way. It's, it's so fun to hear, you know, Alicia talk about Sarah seeing her do it and you guys each seeing each other pave the way and we're seeing it more. So I, my question is, what is your biggest hope for mothers in not just professional running, but just running in general? Like what is your biggest message to them? I'll jump in. Um, I just, I think that for a long time, especially in the track world with the, maybe especially with the shorter distances, um, there used to be kind of this myth that you peak in your early thirties or you couldn't get faster after that. And I think what was really happening was a lot of women were um, like, like Steph referenced, finishing out their careers and then ending them to start a family. And so they were checking out of track and field at age 30 or early thirties um, to start their families. And so it wasn't really that that's when you get slower. It's just that that's when you're like, okay, I'm done with this. And now I'm going to start that. And so I think I hope, you know, I'm 34 now I'm going to be a master officially by the time the, the trials come. And I still think I can get faster. Um, I still think I can improve my track times. And um, so I just like, I hope that it's not an automatic thought anymore for women to be like, oh, I'm whatever age, I'm going to get slower now. I, I don't think that that has to be that way. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to get slower after you have kids either. Um, there can be like a natural progression. It doesn't always have to be perfectly linear, but yeah, I, I guess that's what I hope to, uh, to help women see. And you're doing such an amazing job doing that, Sarah. Um, I would say, you know, to, to our moms, you know, again, don't believe the old hype, you know, the new hype is where it's at. And that one is exactly what Sarah has been a really great example of being, Steph has been a really great example um, Lashinda Demas, can we talk about Lashinda Demas? Lashinda Demas had, uh, twins, you know, before anybody was even talking about her motherhood. She was never, even, her motherhood was never even, uh, shared, you know, um, and she broke world records, uh, made all of her Olympic team, minus one, um, medaled all after motherhood. So, uh, you're fast, you're, um, strong is forever possible. Um, don't ever let anybody put a limit on your, a whole humanness. And that's what I think it was happening to moms for so long. There's like a limit to how great you can be up to motherhood. After motherhood, your greatness ceases to exist. It's now, you know, you're a wilted flower. Like go ahead and just let those seeds sow other places. Like we don't, you've, you much like the dung beetle, which I <laughs> hope everybody's going to laugh now. You know, it's like people are expected uh, to be like the dung beetle mom who literally just works and works and works and makes this um, beautiful nest for her kids. And then she's so tired, she literally dies and her kids eat her. Like, <laughs> you know, I think that that's how people are expecting for like, you know, um, people to be moms to be like this is just not how it works um and like you said Lindsay you know you've got to see it to be able to to be it but to go further on that I want for people to be able to look at themselves in the mirror and see what they can be you know it doesn't always have to be an outward example of that I just want us to be able to have our own instilled um 
belief of what we can be. And that is going to be an example for someone who is trying to search for their inner um, strength to be all that they, that they can. Love that. Um, if I could build off Alicia a little bit, and I don't know, maybe this is tying into Donna Foundation and breast cancer a little bit, but I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Shantae Lowe. Mm. Um, but Shantae, you know, is a Olympic bronze medalist um, in the high jump, and she's a mother of three. And in 2019, she was diagnosed with, I believe it's the triple negative breast cancer. Um, that's the cancer that affects women of West African you know, ancestry at higher rates. And she had a double mastectomy and chemotherapy. And I'm like, she is my age. I think she was born in 1984. And to just think about, oh, okay, I'm trying to do all these things, like make an Olympic team, you know, raise my babies at home and look at what this woman is doing. So there are so many examples for women and mothers out there. You just have to open your eyes and look for them. I was recently reading, um, people had this opportunity to, what if you could take the whole world's problems and everyone put it in a basket and then you had to close your eyes and reach in and grab anybody else's problems. Most people would generally say, you know what, I'll just grab my own problems right back. And I think what that does is it gives you perspective on thinking either what you're struggling with, um, you know, whether you're a stay at home mom, whether you're having mom guilt, you're going to work, you're trying to figure out how do I breastfeed in my workplace and there's not a viable place to do that. Um, how do I go to practice each day as a professional athlete and still show up for my children? I think having perspective and by following other examples of you know, inspirational moms and leaders, that's how we can do it together. But then also realizing you don't have to be a professional athlete winning a gold medal and have a child to be an inspirational person. You can be just a normal mom doing your I say nine to five, but a mom's job is 24 hours a day. But I think it's not, you know, putting any um, any other job or profession on such a pedestal and realizing being a mom is the hardest job in the world. And I will take that to the grave with me. Hey, friends, a quick break here. I want to thank Prevenex for supporting this podcast. Prevenex is where I get all of my multivitamins and supplements protein powder, and vitamins for my kids. I make protein smoothies every single day and pack them with fruits and vegetables. My whole family drinks them. And this is a company that I really get behind. Specifically, all the runners out there, make sure you are checking out their Joint Health Plus, which supports joint comfort and flexibility. I've been taking this since early summer and have noticed a huge difference in the way I feel. So many people who have used the code ANOTHER have left reviews on Prevenex.com that say they've noticed a massive difference in the way their joints feel. They use a natural, powerful, and clinically proven anti-inflammatory and pain reliever that provides additional support for joints. You all can try out any of their vitamins, supplements, protein powder, which is vegan by the way, and I love that. When you go to Prevenex.com, make sure you use the code ANOTHER at checkout, and that will save you 15% off your order. That's Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER, and you'll get 15% off your order. All right. Enjoy the rest of my conversation with Steph Bruce, Alicia Montano, and Sarah Vaughn. You know, I was thinking about this 
when I was prepping for all this and I was thinking, I used to not, I used to think I didn't have mom guilt. And I think that's because I was trying to be home with my kids as much as possible and launch a podcast and do this business and do all the things, but also still say, but I'm still home with my kids all the time. And as soon as I gave in to getting more childcare, because I needed more childcare for my mental health and sanity, um, the mom guilt started creeping in because I didn't have that badge. Like I am with my kids. I am running my business. Um, and I think that's something no matter who you are that you struggle with, even if it doesn't present itself the same way that it might present itself to me. And I was joking about this. I read these questions to my husband beforehand and I, I talked to him about it and he said, you know what I don't have, I don't have dad guilt. I just don't. And I'm sure some dads do, but I do think it's just inherently more, our nature as moms to have that guilt when we're away from our kids a lot. Um, so I would just love to hear you all talk a little bit about how you pursue, you know, your passion for work, your passion for running. Obviously our kids are the most important things in the world and we give it all up for them in a, in a heartbeat, but how do you pursue that and how do you deal with the mom guilt? Anybody can answer. Um, I guess I can start here. Um, I think one, I know not everybody has this, which is why, you know, we've founded and mother, I have an incredible support system and I really want to lean into, um, the support system that I have, but also help create more of a support system for, um, for moms who are trying to pursue their passions that aren't just, uh, their career path, but the passions of being a, a mom that is present. Um, and that is really, really difficult. Again, you know, our societal pressures have for the world over have made it really difficult for moms to um, thrive in both. And so, um, yeah, so leaning into that support system that I have, but again, for me being able to like give back to moms who I've watched um, just kind of go through the ringer of lack of support and me to be honest wondering why are they not getting the support that they need why i don't understand it and so my mission really is to find those athletes that i feel like are have so much to at least for and mother it's right now we're starting with athletes and we want to go across all industries but we know that sports is a microcosm of what's happening in the world but i really want to lean into these these people that I'm watching do so many amazing things and social media is a great, a great thing by, by, uh, by way of showing us more into people's lives. So I've been able to like watch these moms that they don't even know I'm super fans of, um, and just kind of be like, how is she doing this? And she's doing that. And she's doing this. If nothing else, if I can't do anything else, I want to be able to, um, help support you. I want to spend my time and my energy, like looking for ways to, um, to, you know, uh, create funds that will ultimately support your dreams and your passions. Something that you keep, I know that you're going after. And so, um, yeah, I think leaning into my support, my support, uh, network, but then also creating more support networks for moms really helps, um, mitigate some of that, mom guilt um because i know that i'm helping future generations and then uh the time that i carve out for my family is just the time i carve out for my family there are no um you just can't have that time the weekends are for my family and uh emails 
phone calls about work can all wait. And I set hard line boundaries and I don't let anybody infiltrate them. Um, I think in the beginning it was a little bit hard because I do, yeah, like many of us pride myself, Lindsay, I, I feel you, you know, pride myself on like, you know, I work really, really hard. I do all of these things. Yes. Nine to five plus kids, like, you know, um, just as anybody else would from an entrepreneurship aspect, but then on the other side of it, yeah, on my, for my own mental health and my own sanity, there is this like dwindling down point of just stripping away parts of me that also make me a good mom. So, um, I guess to say this quickly, it's, um, protecting that, uh, parental space when it's just myself and my kids and have carving out that time just for that helps mitigate that during the week where I'm just tapping through all of the things that I'm doing with the foundation, you know, my book, um, the podcasts and other entrepreneurship endeavors. And then um, leaning into that support net support network and creating more for other women. Yeah. Well, I'll just say, you know, I've been a mom for 14 and a half years now and um, the mom guilt, like it just, it really never goes away. Um, there's been seasons in my life where I've been able to spend a lot of time at home with my kids and you'll still find a reason to feel like you're not doing enough. Um, and then there's been seasons in my life where I'm working 70 hours a week and running 70 miles a week and I feel like I hardly see them. And of course the mom is mom guilt is, um, ever present, but instead of, I think for me, like I've learned over the years, instead of letting it eat at me or make me feel bad, I use it as a reminder that I care. Like I want to be a good mom and, um, not to say that the absence of dad guilt <laughs> means that they don't care about being a good dad. But I think for us, Lindsay, like you were saying, like, it's like, it's like when you're away from your kids, you're, you're always, the part of your mind is always on them, no matter how present you want to be um, in the other moment. And so I just use that as a reminder that like, I'm striving to be the kind of mom I want to be, even when I'm, you know, doing other things in my life and, and tending to other parts of my life. For me, um, it, it really was just about acknowledging mom guilt because I grappled with, is this a thing? Why don't dads feel it? And so I was very resistant to it. But then once I just acknowledged it, which I try to do that most things in my life, I acknowledge when I'm nervous before a race. I acknowledge when I'm anxious, when I'm stressed, as opposed to just like putting it off. Um, I started to realize similar to what Sarah and Alicia said, the to me, the reason why maybe we have it more than dads have it is like we carry those babies. So they are part of us. And that's just that's just something in nature you can't ever get rid of. And why sometimes moms can just feel when a child is off or while you just have this intuition about it. And so I think whether it's positive or negative, that mom guilt is just something there. And so acknowledging it allows me to say, okay, that's fine. That like, I feel guilty maybe when I'm going to practice, but also I feel so alive and full of purpose when I go do the things that makes me me, which is going and training with my team and NAZ Elite. That way when I'm older and my kids look back and they tell stories about what was mom like, they're not going to say, gosh, we never saw her. They're going to say, oh, we were sitting in the stands at the New York City Marathon. And apparently my mom was like 10th there or something like that. They may not remember like the exact place, but it's very cool for me to think about the experiences I'm giving them um, because of maybe the time away from them that I 
you know, that I am. Um, and to me, that only seems like a positive. So I've, I've tried to shift what mom guilt like really means, and I've, I've turned it into a positive. And then on the, on the flip side of that, um, you know, through the years of friendship with Alicia, Alicia has been able to give me a perspective of what I'm doing as a mom is, you know, raising good children and having them like, you know, see me, but also see the world as it is. And I'm thankful for Alicia being able to show me like as a white woman with privilege, what I can really teach my children at home goes a lot farther than, you know, you think. And if you have the courage to be able to have conversations at home, you know, with your children, um, then that mom guilt of not being there goes away because you're like, well, you know what? I impacted them in a greater way those few minutes or those few hours that I, I was with them. Wow. That's so good. I'm curious. We'll come back to running a little bit. You know, when I ran my first marathon after my first baby, it was emotional for all the reasons, you know, it's like your first big feat after physical feat on your own and each baby, you know, when I've, when I've done a marathon, as I'm crossing the finish line, even at the last one, when I ran New York this past year, um, which by the way, in, in 2000, 18 or 19, whenever you got 10 stuff, I was sitting in the stands next to your kids, which is so random and funny. I was like, that's definitely Steph Bruce's kids. Um, and it was so fun. I got to see them, see you like, you know, come on in. Um, but anyway, when I crossed the finish line of those races, like there's so much emotion and joy in those finish lines. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just did that. Like me by myself alone. And that, you know, you're all in your, your own head during the marathon, but also when I cross the finish line, like my motherhood is balled up in that joy. Like my feelings about my family, being away from my family, knowing that my kids saw me train for this race, like it all matters. And so I don't really feel like, um, I personally can separate my running and my motherhood. And I, I, I'm asking, I'm wondering for you all, because when I asked this question on social media, I said, who are some tough mother runners um, that you think of? Uh, a lot of people suggested the three of you along with so many other incredible women, but some people were like, can't that just be separate? And I really thought about that. Like, can you just be a mother or just be a runner? And for me, the answer is no, because anytime I go outside and I go for a run or I schedule a race or do anything, I have to factor in where are my kids going to be. Um, and when I cross those finish lines, like the fact that I am their mother, like I feel that in my heart and the joy of that finish line matters to me. It matters to me that I am their mom. So um, I'm just curious, like, what are your feelings on that? Can you separate them? Maybe it's different for you because you all are professional runners and I'm, a, you know, an everyday hobby jogger. Um, for me, I guess I'll just jump right in. For me, I don't, I, it's interesting. I never even thought about having to separate any parts of me um, because I'm Alicia and there are a lot of things that can live in this house. Um, it's much like a house. Like, can the living room be separate from the house? Can the bedrooms be, can the, I don't know. Like I just think about my life in a very metaphorical way. Um, and so I don't think that there's any need for me to separate my motherhood and running, I guess in a way, I don't know who, you know, specifically you're talking about, I guess in a way, like when I show up to do a workout, you know, there's very much, it's just a, it's just like a, div, a, I guess a division of self, but it's still like a part of Alicia. When I show up to do a workout, it's like, this is what I'm doing. 
you know, I've got to finish this workout. These are the intervals that I'm doing. This is my rest. And it's just like, there's no in between time with that. Um, but my motherhood is, is also still rolled into that where it's like, I have to do my workout at this time because I have to be back to do this at this time. Or, you know what I'm saying? Um, especially as a nursing mom, I have to, um, you know, Oh, by one they're going to be back from whatever they're doing. And I have to be back to nursing before his nap. Um, it works for our family that way. So in a way it's balled up, but I do think that every piece of you can have its own space. There's plenty of room for, um, different uh aspects of self myself to be at least for me um and i'm i'm not willing to change that i'm not willing to say you know on this day when i show up here i don't care what my kids are doing i have no i i, I don't even want to know don't tell me if somebody gets a cut here if you guys there's an emergency you got to drive to the emergency room <laughs> don't call me till i'm done with my workout i'm off the clock till 1 30 like i don't know i just that's not realistic to me, but I'm, that's just me. <laughs> okay. I'm obsessed with Alicia's house uh, metaphor because I never thought of it that way, but when you really break it down, okay. Right. So you have your kitchen and that's where you're cultivating goodness and you're nourishing everyone, you know, and then you have your bedroom where you're resting and you have to take care of stress and then sometimes you take a crap on yourself, which is in the bathroom and you mess up things in your life, right? <laughs> and you have to wipe your own butt and then you have to wipe the butt of other people. But like, it's so true when you, I never refer to myself as the third person, but when I think of what Steph has to do, it definitely is different compartments. And it's kind of like, okay, the Stephanie that is on the starting line of Olympic trials is very different than the Stephanie that is taking care of her mother. And is very different than the Stephanie that is, um, you know, organizing her grit shop or the Stephanie that is talking to her teammates uh, or the Stephanie that is on a podcast. Sometimes I'm cussing, sometimes I'm not, you know, so it's like, there are definitely different compartments. Um, so I think you can separate them out, Lindsay, but also I don't think you have to, you can say I am all these things in one sentence and be good, be good like that. I also love that house metaphor. <laughs> That's genius. I actually talk about this very thing a lot on social media and I use like the metaphor or the term lopsided. So like I think of balancing everything. We talk about balancing everything perfectly easy. So I think of um, easily. So I think about those spinning plates and how there's like a bunch of stuff on them. And yeah, I just, I can't be all three things equally all the time. Um, so I think of it as being lopsided, which is funny, especially when you're a breastfeeding mom. Um, <laughs> but but um, like these two were saying, like you can't ever, when I step to the starting line, I'm racing for six people. It's not just me anymore. You can't, I mean, being a mother runner, you are a mother runner. You, I'm not ever just a runner. Um, so yeah, to like, to speak to that, Lindsay, I, um, you can't separate yourself. It's all there and it's okay to be lopsided and, and shift your focus a little bit. Um, but you can't ever get rid of that. Um, okay. So the theme of the weekend is fearless. And, um, so we've named this panel fearless mother runners. So I'm curious if anybody has an example of a race or a workout or just a season of training where you intentionally chose, I'm going to be fearless right now. Um, I guess again, hi, <laughs> I'm going first again. Um, 
I love, and it's my co-host, I'm keeping track, uh, Molly Huddle. She just always talks about courage not being the absence of fear. Like it is okay to, to, I mean, honestly, fear is what keeps us alive. Like when babies are born, they have, there's pieces of fear that exist that keep them alive. Um, and um, I, I kind of think about that a lot because I think a lot of us, especially athletes, you know, it's like this big thing about being fearless. Like you can just never, it, it, brave doesn't exist without fear, you know, courage doesn't exist without fear. Like, so when I think about fearlessness, I think about having the audacity to be brave. I think about having the audacity to try, even with thinking that this is something I can terribly fail at. Um, so to speak to an experience, you know, coming back to competing after having my daughter and again, having the audacity to um, want to become a mom, you know, in my career. And I would, I want to say the middle of my career, not knowing all the other things that uh, were going to happen with sponsors and things like that. But, you know, knowing that this is something I am going to do, I can try very hard to make this something that I can realize and then showing up at nationals, you know, just showing up at nationals really was my goal. It was to be there. It was to get in that environment again. Maybe it's not going to be this year, but next year for sure. You know, I just have to allow myself an opportunity, any chance that I get to be in an atmosphere where I'm feeling that energy and I'm feeling that nervousness and I have to do it now by 2016, I want to be at the Olympic uh, trials and I don't want to show up at the Olympic trials. And that's the first time I'm getting to experience that nervousness again. So like showing up at six months postpartum to USA nationals, winning that race was a pleasant surprise because I hadn't done uh, any workouts that I would have normally expected to have put in my bank, but showing up there was part of me being uh, fearless. Um, and then again, having the audacity to say yes to uh, going to um, our world relays at eight months postpartum, and then seeing like, oh my gosh, I just ran 158, definitely didn't expect that. And then again, uh, winning nationals at 10 months postpartum, all of that entire year after having my daughter in that first year was not to be like, you know, I can win all of these races. It was just showing up. And I think that was the fearless aspect of it, just showing up because this is where I'm showing my brave. This is where I'm having the courage to fail. You know, it could be something, and I hate that using that word in that way, but it, this could be something where people don't see the Alicia they're used to seeing, you know, just going out and having a seamless race. And it wasn't like that at all. Um, and it was definitely a space where I had to just kind of push myself out there and say, you have to show up, you have to try. Um, one of my favorite quotes, and I think um, anonymous, I, I don't know who I can track it to, but it's uh, similar to what Alicia was saying, but remember that bravery is not the lack of fear, but the ability to move forward in spite of fear. Um, and I think, you know, as a professional athlete, you could say that that was every season that you stepped into, right? Or giving birth uh, to a child, it's very scary and you have no idea how you're gonna feel until you're faced with that moment. Um, and I, I kind of sometimes parallel one of my, uh, the births of one of my children to one of my races, which anyone that's asking, yes, childbirth is much harder than running a marathon. <laughs> um, ask your vagina. Is um, I, I remember uh, 
with Riley, the labor was really difficult and long. And I had made it to the point where I was dilated till 10. And so the only thing left was pushing, but unfortunately he was turned um, the opposite way. And so I had to push and I pushed for five hours. And I remember asking about halfway through that, I just said to my husband, what are my options? And he's like, um, you don't have any options because I, I couldn't get, you know, pain medication at that point. So I was, I was already there and there really was no turning back. And that for me was a moment of like, I'm so scared, but I'm going to choose to move forward because I kind of don't have an option at this point and everything worked out, gave birth to him. He was a huge baby with a huge head, nine pounds and like 90th percentile on the head. But um, when I, when I then translate that to like racing um, for so long in my career, my narrative was you don't win national championships. You get second and third, you don't make Olympia Olympic teams. Cause that happened to me for about, well, it still has happened to me. I have not made an Olympic team in 10 plus years, but I'm still trying. Um, and similar to Alicia said, tr trying is simply being fearless and being brave. Um, and so I feel like every time I show up to the starting line, even though I've been staying it forever, I want to make this Olympic team. I have yet to do it. I have to stop uh, talking the talk and walk the walk. But um, one race in particular that showed me that it is possible was um, 2018, the US 10K championships on the road at Peachtree. Um, in that race, my teammate, uh, Alfine Tillamook had just been tearing up the roads. She had been running some incredible times, times to me that I was like, it's impossible. There's no way I can run that on the roads. And I train with her every day, um, but I was training behind her. And in that race, there was just one moment where uh, around mile two, you start to go really downhill in Atlanta. And I said, if you want to run this, win this race, like, you have to get over and you just have to go. And it was the first time in my career that I went at a point where I thought there's no way I can, I can go with her at this pace. But I also said, I'm not, I'm not winning this any other way. So I went with her, Sarah Hall went with her and there were three of us. And then after 5k, um, Alphine pulled away. And when she pulled away, the different thought that I had was the race is not over until it's over. Whereas before in my career, I had thought if someone got away, it was over. And then sure enough, two miles later, I started to notice that the gap was closing and I was closing in on her. And then with about 800 meters uh, left where you kind of go downhill into the finish, um, I pulled up alongside her and it was still one of the greatest memories. She looked over thinking it was like a competitor, which I am, even though we're teammates. And I remember under her breath, she said, you go girl, because I think the fact that even though I was a competitor, she was glad it was me. Um, and of course I didn't say anything. I just out sprinted her. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was my first national title in 10 years at the age of 34. When a lot of times you don't win things or you don't make Olympic teams, you know, this late in into your career. But I said, what if I just tried to, you know, choose to be a little braver and, and I moved forward in spite of fear. So that was kind of a moment for me. Yeah, I'll just reiterate what these two said. I don't think I've ever been fearless or had no fear in any season or any race. Um, but kind of like mom guild, I try to use fear as a reminder that I'm trying to do something big. Like whether it's going into a race or you're about to have a baby or you're going in for cancer treatment or whatever it is, um, you know, having fear is just your way of reminding yourself that like you're about to do something 
big, extraordinary, whatever it is. And I just try to um, reframe the fear and use it um, in a positive way and not let it dominate, you know, your thoughts and your choices. Yeah, I think that that's such a big message with with the Donna Foundation, too. And um, like you, you, you can choose your thought patterns, but you have to retrain your brain. Um, kind of like Steph was saying, like you retrained your brain to think that you could be the winner, you know? Um, and I love that story. And I love, I've loved that race. That was so fun to see that race. And I think I interviewed you after it and, you know, Alephine, she is just always a champion for other women, even, even though she wants to win. Like I constantly am hearing these stories of her cheering somebody else on and it's so cool um one of the things i was going to bring up actually was the 2020 trials this past year stuff when you play sixth um, i was reading through your blog post after the race and i'm going to read this and you said while under a microscope sixth place is not is just not good enough when it comes to the olympic trials it tells me something it tells me i did everything i could to prepare for the day and if you know you gave it your all but came up short, isn't that what we strive for? It's what I want to show my boys. And the, that, the lesson in that is so big. And, and, and one more thing I just want to piggyback off that is it's so important for us as women to not only be role models for our young girls, but also our young boys. And so I think that's so cool that you are teaching your sons that through your career, like not defining your success through the podium or through making the Olympic team. Um, so I would just love to hear if anybody has follow-up thoughts on on that it really spoke to me yeah that's i mean that's super important i for so many years was just a girl mom and only thought about girl things and um, focused on that so much so it's nice to um to be reminded that you know i love lately the trend of seeing more women in in coaching positions um and you know in in positions that were traditionally male dominated i think that's really cool and then to your point of you know, trying for the sake of trying and racing for, to see what you can get out of yourself. I mean, unfortunately we live in a, in a world and we race in a world of, of numbers and pretty cut and dry, um, quote unquote success, you know, top three is an Olympic team and 90% of the field goes home somewhat disappointed. <laughs> and that's just the reality. But I think it's important to remember that, um, you know, falling short of these arbitrary, uh, goals or, um, you know, lines in the sand doesn't mean that your career isn't meaningful and that you can't define success in a different way. So I've always tried to do that through my whole career. I mean, I just, I never knew if I was going to make a team or not, but I don't think that that undermines anything else I'd done. Okay. So lastly, oh, did you want to go jump in stuff? Go for it. Yeah, real quick. Um, I had an experience this last year where I was out on a run in Flagstaff and I'm well aware that a lot of my audience that I speak to is generally moms, runners, uh, I don't know, I'm guessing from the age of 30 to 80. And so um, I'm always just wary of the messaging I'm putting out because I want to make sure, you know, it is approachable and can reach everyone. And when I was on this run, um, these two 13 year old boys were like playing soccer and I ran by and he just goes, are you Steph Bruce? And I was like, that was not a 13 year old boy that knew my name. And so I stopped on the run. And of course, Flagstaff, it's a very running town. So this is not that strange for it happen. But he was so cute. He just walked up and he's like, 
I'm a super big fan. I, I saw your run at the Olympic trials and I know you didn't make the Olympic team, but I just, it's awesome. You know, and it was this like super awkward exchange, but I loved it. And all I did is I saw like my sons in them, you know, 10 years later. And of course I ran away and I was like, oh my gosh, I have made it because I reached a 13 year old boy in the track world, in the distance world. And what it did for me is exactly what you say. I see so much in sports, whether it's just historical or societal but you have so many people always pointing to all these male athletes as their role models and i'm like why aren't we looking at women what is it that is so you know hard for younger kids and especially boys to grasp onto perhaps and so yeah maybe in a small way what sarah lisa and i you know are trying to do is realizing that in order to have great men, you have to start with great boys. And so for boys to be able to see women in this role that maybe they didn't see growing up, or maybe they didn't see, or it wasn't glorified in society, like now is becoming so commonplace. I don't make dinner ever in my household. My husband, Ben, makes dinner. Uh, he does the laundry, although he loves doing laundry. But there's so many things that I think like we're changing. And it's really cool to think like my boys are going to see that. And maybe when they're growing up in school and kids are talking about who their favorite football player is, they're going to be referencing women, you know, in track and field. Um, and, and that feels really cool and special. Yeah, I, I, I love that so much, Stephanie. And that just kind of made me think of this quote by Maya Angelou that said, uh, people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And I do think it's really important that we, we can um, not define our successes by podiums, by medals. Honestly, those things go away. People don't, I'm gonna tell you, by the time I was a six time national champion and ran pregnant at nationals, the majority of people who started following me and my story had no idea that I'd won any national titles or was uh, just outside of medal, uh, winning a medal, literally had no idea. But what they did know is that I related to them by how I made them feel by taking a stand for moms across all industries. And so, um, yeah, it's interesting, like Sarah sharing her story and Steph sharing hers, that it kind of just made me think through all of the things that I, I do think is really important. And honestly, we live far beyond medals and podiums. We live far beyond that. It's the, it truly is, as cliche as it sounds, part, the journey, you know, all of the things that we learn along the way to us, allowing us an opportunity to try. I think people really gravitate towards that. And for me in the same way, you know, my daughter was first, but I have two sons and I want them very much to see strong women role models. I think it's important for us to know that boys can be influenced by women. You know, if, if girls can be so heavily influenced by men, why can't it be the same way for our boys? And it's up to us. Um, to make sure that we show that to, to young boys and especially to us moms that have sons to kind of pave the way there. So when they do become men, they're, they're not thinking women don't do this, women do that. And it's this like cyclical thing of societal gender lines. And it's like, oh, actually, you know, my dad's in the kitchen. Like, where are you with that archaic thought process? My mom's out here beasting in sports, you know? Uh, and, or, or both, but just saying that it can be very much um, 
whoever does what based on what they're passionate about. And so, um, yeah, I do hold that very dear to me to make sure that I am that example for, for my sons to, to see, you know, strong women role models and point them out whenever I see them. Yeah. I think that's huge pointing out, making sure you're making it visible to, to your sons and your daughters. But yeah, I love that. Um, before we wrap up with our last, uh, question, Alicia, can you just share a little bit about And Mother, why you founded it and what you guys do there? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, I mean, first you guys can, uh, on your own time, because I hate to steal any more time, look up the New York Times op-ed that I did with Lindsay Krauss um, called Dream Eternity. It's on YouTube. You can take a look at, at it there. But really that is where And Mother was founded off of, just sharing my story about our dream to be a woman who becomes a mom that can wants to thrive in both career and in motherhood and all of the barriers that were kind of limiting us from being able to make that choice. And uh, many of us have been um, in positions where we've been pushed out of our careers because motherhood has been a thing. There has been women who have been supported and that's not to, uh, you know, speak to companies that have not supported those women, but we can't just because somebody one or two people or, you know, by percentage, you know, a uh, fourth of, of women have been supported in their careers say that we're going to ignore the other 75% of women. Um, and so I go by the school of thought of not just yelling and screaming about it, but by making change with action. And so if this is something that we're seeing this pattern of that, we're not going to have any change if I don't have the audacity to try to change it. And I felt that the biggest way for us to be able to make these changes was to create this foundation, um, have these conversations with companies about ways that they can better support um, women in different career tracks. Obviously, like I said, we're starting with sports. Um, and it's because that's where people have seen, oh my gosh, if this is happening to athletes, athletes, celebrities, um, you know, actresses, they're put on these pedestals of just like, untouchables and that's not the case at all um this is very much a societal issue that we need changes and so creating this foundation with uh molly dickens has been something that's been very much a, a heart project um again i have many uh women athletes i'm being slightly cryptic because we haven't done in our, our announcement of uh some people who um we are we are supporting and we are digging through throwing as much resources as we can at them um but we're going to be making an announcement pretty soon here. Um, and yeah, so what we're doing there starting our initiative is we are going to have three core athletes that we are hoping that you guys can also get behind. Um, and we're, we need your donations towards and mother so that we can continue to make uh, resources available by way of finances and um, um, you know, other ways of, of, support that might be necessary for these athletes. We're having conversations with these athletes. Um, they're telling us things that's necessary. I've had uh, conversations by way of like, what? how many days a week do you train? How many days a week do you need childcare? What about, does that cost for you? To just try to do our very best to fill those gaps of things that weren't being filled. And hopefully we can make this more of a visible uh, space for people to see oh, that's, that's a mother runner. Cause 
ultimately on the track, you know, if nobody knows my story, if NBC isn't just sharing my story and, you know, they're, and they're not sharing the other mother runner uh, story, they can see visually that's, oh, that's a, that's a, and mother athlete. And so, uh, yeah, we want to be able to help share those stories, but we do need your donations so that we can uh, support our athletes on a larger scale. And in our five to 10 year vision, we hope that this is moving the needle across all industries. That was very long-winded, but there's so much to say about it. This could be its own podcast. Um, yeah, so I'm kind of sweating because I we're on the cusp of announcing our athletes, and I'm like... <laughs> okay, well, um, we can do a whole other podcast about that. <laughs> yes, please. All about it. Because um, yeah. I have a parenting podcast, too. So there, you could go on either show there. Um, that's awesome. And I appreciate so much hearing someone not only stand up and fight for this, but then go take action, like you said, and do something about it. So thank you for doing this. Thank you. All right, ladies, last question. And if you've been on my podcast before, I always wrap up with what's your one message to the world. It might not be so big today. My question is, what is your one message for this audience, which I assume is a lot of mother runners? Um, my message is going to be the same as it always is. Um, it's, it's okay to be lopsided. It's okay to have lots of parts in your life, but to, you know, be able to switch focus from one to the other. Um, don't let the mom guilt overrule, uh, your brain and your thoughts. Um, and just use it as a reminder that it just means that you really care. Okay. Mine is, um, carve your own, carve your own path and do your best to stay on it despite any adversity that might be thrown your way. And mine is um, you can define your own successes. It doesn't have to be outside expectations of what success looks like. Um, your success is yours. So um, yeah, be bold, be courageous. All right, ladies, I guess mine is don't sell yourself short, but also don't feel like you have to keep up with everyone else. You do you. Um, thank you so much for joining this discussion. It was super meaningful to me. And I know the Donna Foundation is super appreciative. And thank you to everybody who has tuned in and listened. All right, friends. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, ladies, for coming on the show. Thank you to the Donna Foundation for the opportunity to continue working together to finish breast cancer. And if you want to learn more about the Donna Foundation, just go to the thedonnafoundation.org. If you want to learn more about their races, go to breastcancermarathon.com. We'd love to have you join us for the Mother's Day Your Way weekend. Again, the code Lindsay5 will get you $5 off your registration. Congratulations to anybody who participated in the Donna Virtual Marathon weekend. We had a lot of fun here in Indiana, and I hope you had fun as well. Big thanks to anybody who donated to my fundraiser. That means so much to me and to the foundation. Check out Prevenex, our sponsor for this show. Go to Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER at checkout. And if you are enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a rating and review. That is one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. So we appreciate that so much. This podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions Network. You can find our other shows when you actually click on Sandy Boy Productions in your podcast app for this podcast, you can see our other shows. Why is everyone yelling with Lindsay Hine, which is a parenting podcast I host. 
the Up and Running podcast with Lauren and Abby. That is a running podcast where Lauren and Abby bring you all the latest news in elite and professional distance running. And the Illuminate podcast, which is a podcast where we are bringing you stories of people doing really cool work in the world. That is hosted by Emma Benner, Kristen Sruer, and every once in a while I pop in there for an interview as well. Thank you so much for being here. Have a really great Friday and a wonderful rest of your weekend. And we will see you next week. We have an episode coming up with the women's second place finisher from the Hoka Ane Ane Carbon X 200K, Nicole Blasier. And we also have an episode coming up with Ryan Hall. All right. Have a great rest of your weekend. And as always, we will see you next Friday.